Hi. Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we are going to talk with Murad Atesh, our friend from The Athletic, about Barry Trotz. How would it work here? Should it happen? Will it happen? Also talking with the Manitoba Moose in their must-win game Wednesday night against Milwaukee. Then the voice of the Bombers, Derek Taylor, joins us as rookie camp begins Wednesday for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Also, is there going to be a CBA? Will the training camp start on time this weekend? That's all coming up on the podcast. The number one topic, I think, on the Winnipeg Jets offseason to-do list is to hire a head coach. As far That's my opinion. I think it's the opinion of a lot of people out there. And the task got a lot more interesting yesterday when Barry Trotz, Dauphin Zone, was fired by the Islanders. I think every Jets reporter as well has written an, a column to this point about how the Jets should do everything they can to get him here. One of whom is Murat Atesh, our friend from The Athletic. I caught up with Murat earlier this afternoon. He's busy doing draft lottery things with The Athletic right now, so we had to tape our interview. And I started by asking him about the potential of trots to Winnipeg happening. Well, I don't think it's a sure thing. And I don't think that, you know, if, you know, I'm flipping a coin or if it's 50 50, I don't think it's necessarily above 50% chance that Winnipeg is going to sign Barry Trotz as its next coach. But I do think that he is such an unbelievable mix of the things that Winnipeg needs right now. A respected voice, not a rookie coach, not somebody who the room is going to push around. They need somebody who can come in and garner a certain amount of respect and demand accountability. He's shown he can do that defensive structurally he's shown that he can do that he's the gold standard in so many different ways when you hear an nhl coach talk about wanting to improve defensive uh, accountability they say okay we want to we want to collapse guys down low protect the middle like barry trotz does and so that's such a perfect mix before you get into the fact that he's homegrown manitoba and still has roots here um it's he's somebody that True North should absolutely going, be going full court press in an attempt to sign a perfect fit. But will it happen? You know, I'm not going to vilify them if they take their best swing if it doesn't. That's for sure. Well, we got to remember a couple things. One, does he want to work here? And B, if you're an NHL team that needs a head coach like the Jets do and many others do, well, you're all in the same boat here. You probably all want Barry Trotz as your next guy. Absolutely. I mean, Philadelphia would absolutely love him. Um, Vegas, I'm sure, would love him as well. Toronto, if for whatever reason they don't get out of the first round and Sheldon Keefe becomes a, a, a casualty of their lack of success. I mean, Barry Trotz is the sort of person who at this stage of his career could have his pick. And here LeBron of The Athletic and of TSN uh, reported yesterday that it seems Trotz will take about a week to evaluate his options. He may even have interest in managing or taking a different type of leadership role, whether in addition to coaching or separate from it. So what Barry Trotz does next is very much up to him. The only thing we can say for sure is that he's highly renowned, a perfect fit in terms of his strengths, and that Winnipeg should be all over at least trying to, to explore that route. And I mentioned this last night on my show, but, you know, it's yeah, you're going to take time to, to think about your future. It's also going to work out that the round one of the playoffs is over in about a week. And so there might be some more teams looking for a head coach, like you said, perhaps in Toronto or some other spots that say, you know what, if this guy's available, he's better than what we have right now. Yeah, it's a, it, well, it's a major life decision if you're Barry Trotz. He's been in Long Island for four years. I think it was four years as well in Washington before that. Whether one way or the other, it's several years of, of commitment that he's talking about. So if you were in his shoes or I were in his shoes, 
we're not going to wait. Uh, we're not going to make a rush decision before the entirety of options or market presents itself. I think you're exactly right. The timing of that um, definitely would help him in terms of making a decision that seems smart or considers everything, or maybe it means a uh, better terms, more responsibility in terms of not just being a coach, but having input on player personnel. I mean, if you're Barry Trotz and are legitimately thought of so highly by so many folks, uh, you're going to take your time and you're going to get it right. And you're going to make sure that you can get the best scenario for yourself that you can. And before what, four years in Long Island, four years in Washington, it was 15 in Nashville with the one lockout uh, in there. So he's been a coach every single season in the NHL since his first year in Nashville, 98, 99. So this is a, a lifer and perhaps uh, a, maybe he wants to look at management. I know Darren Drager reported something to that effect yesterday that he might be interested in that. But the reality is this is seems like a good fit for the Winnipeg Jets. Do you think fans would be pretty disappointed if he doesn't come here? I think so. I mean, it's tough to stop the runaway train and, you know, I'd be guilty of it because I'm such a fan of the guy's defensive systems, of the way that Alex Ovechkin bought in in 2018 leading to that Stanley Cup, the way that New York Islanders made it to two Eastern Conference finals, giving Tampa Bay a tough, tough run for their money. There are so many things that his teams do well that are demonstrated needs that Winnipeg has that you really do get excited about the possibility um, at the same time, it would be wise to couch that in the type of expectation that you're saying. There's going to be options. You're going to wait a week. Um, the first round will be over, and there may be even more options. There are other things to consider other than the fact that he's a perfect fit. Um, at the same time, though, I think we're all getting so excited. The fans are reading all of the articles. They're, they have their own opinions because Barry Trotz is, is beloved in the province of Manitoba as well. So there's going to be disappointment if he doesn't sign with Winnipeg. Absolutely, there will be. Any worry about potential flaws in his coaching style? I've read some criticism that he you know, relies on veterans too much and doesn't maybe give younger players much of a chance. That's something that you know the Jets, we could criticize. They've done a little bit too much lately is that, but I think maybe the benefits outweigh the potential flaws here. Yeah, I think that definitely the benefits outweigh the potential flaws. And I've done a little bit of peeking into how Trotz has managed his lines in, in New York and we're in Winnipeg, we're used to a spread of minutes between about eight minutes for that fourth line. If you count all situations, that special teams in five on five, all the way up to about 22, 23 minutes for some of those veterans like Shifley Wheeler, Kyle Connor at this stage as well at that 22 minute mark. Uh, so you get that spread in New York. Barry Trotz has used all four lines. The spread is between 12 and 18 minutes. That's a huge difference. And while all coaches will prefer veterans where possible, and Trotz was self-critical about himself, saying he was a little bit slow to take minutes away from some veterans this year in New York, uh, I think the scale of that bias is a lot different in Trotz and a lot more beneficial than what we've gotten used to in Winnipeg over the past several years. All right. One other uh, Jets story here, the World Men's Championships coming up. We have a number of Winnipeg Jets uh, going. Nate Schmidt is an assistant captain for Team USA. Nikolai Ehlers, who would have loved to play for Denmark at the Olympics, gets to play for them at the World Championships here. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Adam Lowry going for Team Canada, a number of Manitoba products as well on that team. What kind of value do, will the Jets get out of the experience, especially for the younger players like Ehlers and like Dubois? 
Well, for Nikolai Ehlers, I hope what it is is a scenario where he can go have some fun, be part of that Denmark team that he was such a huge part of helping them get to the Olympics. That's going to be a special experience, and hopefully they can have some success at the end of the season. That was obviously not a success in Winnipeg. And that applies, of course, to Adam Lowry and Nate Schmidt, too, uh, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, a a bit of success and, and, and good vibes coming out of the year, that's one thing. The other thing that I would take away from it is what Pierre-Luc Dubois told us in his exit interview with Jets Media, that he wants to train himself to be playing highly competitive hockey well into this time of year. And I mean, if you can't do it with the Jets being outside of the playoffs, then the World Championships are the next best way to, to do that. And he's still a young developing player, 23 years old, Winnipeg's hoping for big things for him for several years. And if this does contribute to how well he can play at this stage in the future, then that's going to be a major win that Winnipeg was able to take away from it. Do you care about this tournament as just an objectively as a hockey fan? Because I know it gets lost in the shuffle with a lot of fans because of the Stanley Cup playoffs being on. I do. And like my personal opinion is it gets secondary. The best, the black, pardon me, the best hockey in the world, in my opinion, is the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So many people are close to fully healthy. You know, the wear and tear and the grind hasn't quite set in. There's desperation, excitement, upsets. Everything is possible in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs that I usually, most of my energy goes that way. And of course, Winnipeg's been a part of it for the last, uh, most, uh, most of the last several years. Uh, that said, I can't help but being drawn to international hockey and anything that Canada is a part of, I can't help becoming a completely biased fan in favor of as well. So yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on it for, for, for sure. I will be. All right. Let's turn our attention to Canada life center tomorrow night, Manitoba moose taking on the Milwaukee admirals game. Number three, it's do or die now for the moose after two really tough losses on the road in Milwaukee. First of all, let's just start with the format of this, this series because the AHL is going with a way different playoff structure this year. A lot more teams get in. It's a best of five for this round, which is kind of like the second round to some degree. And the Moose go 2-3 with the last three games at home. Do you like that as a, as the higher seed, finishing with three at home? Do you feel like that's a disadvantage for the Moose? Well, I think that the degree to which it's a disadvantage, because you give up those first two games on the road, the team that has home ice advantage like the Moose do are probably thinking that, hey, we're we're a better hockey team. We're going to get a split on the road for those first two, then go home and put it uh, put it on ice. We're on our way to the next round. Now, as you know, of course, it didn't work out that way. They dropped both of those games, and now there's all kinds of pressure on this homestand. I sort of get the decision, or I, I would get the I would see it as an advantage if you genuinely thought you were the better team and you weren't going to come away with uh, an 0-2 record, a split or 2-0 would be just fine. You'd be laughing on your way home uh, to, to finish things off. So here we are, do or die. Uh, other than, you know, the Moose getting 86 shots and, and getting three goals, what are your main takeaways from the first two games? I mean, that's that's huge. Uh, Devin Cooley is is playing phenomenally well. But one thing that Milwaukee is doing with giving Manitoba fits is just the degree to which they park the bus defensively. All five guys collapsing in the middle of the ice, sticks in lanes, dedicated shot blocks. Everything is there for them right now. And Manitoba is able to completely control the flow of play. Their defense jumping up into the play. Forwards are really good at covering back. They're finding tons of spots and opportunities to take shots from the point and from the outside. 
But the real struggle that Manitoba is facing is to create opportunities from the middle of the ice. So whether that's deflections, whether that's a little bit of gritty goals, all those sorts of things, they haven't been able to turn their control of the flow of play into actually getting to those areas where they score from. And, uh, and that's what you'll be looking for from Manitoba at Canada Life Centre. If they can get to those areas, they'll win. They have the talent, they have the offense, they have the flow of play. But Milwaukee's been so good at taking it away so far. Is this where not having a de facto quote unquote star hurts the moose where, you know, their, their leading scorer was I think 82nd in the league in scoring this year. Well, yes. Like there's no way around it. Let's, let's put Cole Perfetti on that team and add his dynamism and the way that he reads an offensive zone. There is space. It's just often at the top of the zone or in situations where, uh, where you have to beat one layer of defense to, to create that opportunity. Perfetti would pick that apart, or at least I believe that he would. Um, at the same time, you have Declan Chisholm, you have Billy Hainala, you have Leon Gavanka, these really offensively brilliant defensemen. And because Milwaukee collapses down low so well, they're getting, they're getting the puck with time and space up there. And you'd like to think that players with that level of gift should be able to find a play that gets to the middle or, or gets that puck on net. Hasn't happened quite yet. Chisholm, I believe, has a goal and two assists so far, or a goal and one assist. But he's been a leader, and that's what you're looking for, those blue liners to make an impact. So regardless of what happens here, Murat, do you think you know either you know the, the Moose rally win three in a row or even a, get swept for the players that want to be in the NHL and be with the Jets? How valuable is this postseason experience, win or lose? Well, I think that they want to be able to point to success. So getting swept, I mean, I'm not sure. I see a tremendous amount of value other than the experience, other than that horrible taste that would be left in their mouths that they'd want to overcome in future years. But I think that the maximum value out of this playoff run for the Moose is if it genuinely becomes a run, if they can extend the series, if they can bring themselves to a best of five or to game five for that winner take all situation, all of those experiences with that level of pressure, with this level of competition, that's what they'll be able to draw on in future years, ideally for the Winnipeg Jets. But to go zero and three and walk out of it, I mean, that's just the only value is how angry it'll make them on their way into next year. All right, I'll get you out of here on this as we sit here tonight. Uh, all One team, that's it, is in round two. We have six series that are tied at two. Not a lot of close games, but we've got some close series here. If you had to pick one team right now to win the Cup, would it be Colorado or someone else? I mean, if there's one team, it's Colorado. But boy, oh boy, do I like the way the Florida Panthers play and the Carolina Hurricanes as well. The East is a dogfight. The West, I think, is Colorado's to lose. All right, there we go. I'm Rod Tesh. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. Thank you, Christian. Canadian Football League. Rookie camps start tomorrow. And the man who will be keeping us all abreast of the daily goings-on of camp is Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. How are your preparations going, Mr. Taylor? Good. I'm, I'm also spoiling no hitters left and right here. So it's, it's good. I'm getting that out of my system so that I can just get down to business. Come tomorrow at like ten fifteen. So, rookie camp uh, tomorrow. What should we expect from rookie camp? And generally, for the uh, those who aren't as familiar with the rookie camp setup, how many of these players generally will end up actually making the team? Oh, that's a great question. Um, a handful. Let's say that. Uh, they're, they're, they have to cut down rosters on Saturday to 85 players. So I think for the Bombers, that means something like 18 to 20 guys 
have to go before Saturday. And then main camp will start, and then they soon have to be down to 75. So they'll, they'll take a look at guys, and guys, for them, they, they really have to, unless you're a high draft pick, you really have to shine pretty quickly or show the coaches you can do something pretty quickly. So what, what ideally would happen, would there be two to three guys where you go, oh, yeah, okay, I want to see that now when all the starters come in. And for guys that you took in the draft or, or local kids, uh, guys you took higher in the draft or the local kids, you go, okay, I want to, I want to see Patrice Rene from the 21 draft. I want to see if, if he pops when he gets out there on the field. So uh, guys are fighting for jobs, and honestly, they don't have a lot of time, some of them. How much is the CBA labor situation a story heading into the next five days? Well, enormously so. I was just chatting with uh, Russ Hobson from Global Sports, uh, and he said, he said, who's going to be throwing balls to, to these guys at camp tomorrow? Because normally quarterbacks, like all quarterbacks, would come in for rookie camp. They would come in early, the, the veterans, and, you know, just so that there are enough arms at camp to go around. Uh, when we get there tomorrow, I, I kind of wonder, apart from Jackson Tachinsky for the Manitoba Bisons, uh, who else is going to be throwing footballs to receivers and testing defensive backs? So we'll, we'll definitely be talking about it tomorrow. And then, honestly, all the way through. Saturday's a, a day off for the Bombers. That's, that's a critical day because, hey, the CBA expires, and we'll know our guys in town because the CFLPA, you, you certainly talked about it on the show, CFLPA said, we advise you not to travel to your, your work city until there's a deal done. And the ownership from CFL has said, okay, if you come, we'll make sure you're taken care of in the case that there is a, a strike or some sort of work stoppage. So uh, we're going to start talking about it tomorrow when we see who the quarterbacks are. And honestly, we're not going to stop until there's a deal done. As far as your experience is concerned, covering CFL and watching these situations unfold, in your gut, do you feel like everything's going to be okay? Uh, I feel like this. I feel like camp and the season will start on time. So, uh, as far as that being okay, yes. What and this is just my perception, and I haven't really studied it, so it's not it's not fair to say that this is how it how it works. But this is my impression. Um, there's something in the last minutes where the players will go, "Ah, you know what? I want we need to get paid." So they'll they'll kind of maybe accept a little less than if they if they'd held strong, but they. The players, from just from watching, uh, seem to want camp to start on time. Generally, they seem to want the season to start on time. Generally, so uh, it, it. I feel like if if it means they have to perhaps sacrifice something, I feel like they've tended to do that in the past. That said, honestly, it feels like under Solomon Elamimi and Brian Ramsey and company, the CFLPA is different now. It feels like they are united and not afraid to stand up for for what they believe in, which is kind of emblematic of how Solomon Elmini played his entire CFL career. So this may be, I feel like deals generally get done at the last minute, but I also have a feeling that this is a different CFLPA than we may be used to. So looking at uh, the the rookie camp experience tomorrow, you mentioned Jackson Tachinsky. That's part of the quarterback internship program that the uh, CFL is doing uh, every CFL team is bringing in one player generally from a, a local university to, to come and pl- and learn at the at the helm of a quarterback's uh, or CFL quarterback system. How cool of an opportunity is that for these young players across the league? 
Oh, fantastic. Uh, 2019, I believe the Bison starter, Des Catelier, was at Riders Camp. And just to, just to get a chance, right, I, I do uh, a lot of stuff with CFL analysts and play-by-play guy Marshall Ferguson, and he played college ball at McMaster a few years back. He got to go to Calgary's training camp and work, uh, you know, work alongside Bo Levi Mitchell, and he'll remember that forever. Like if if you were a Canadian quarterback, whether you have a shot at the CFL or not, to see these guys who do what you do but have been doing it longer and stronger and better, uh, it's it's fantastic. So Jackson must just be electric, electric, waiting for for the opportunity tomorrow because. Uh, you know, maybe it's the first step as the road gets longer for him, and maybe it opens the doors to a pro career because it does not hurt in, in this business. It does not hurt to have more eyes on you and more people talking about you. So go to camp, shine a little bit, and uh, and then come back and see what, uh, what, what happens in the future. Big news out of Ryderville today. Your former stopping grounds, Charleston Hughes, is back in green and white. Uh, first of all, is it unusual for the signing of a player of this magnitude to come on May 10th? It, it really surprised me. I, I started to wonder, uh, did Charlton not have suitors and this deal was on the table just waiting for him to sign? Or was he considering other options and none of them appealed to him more than the chance to go back and work in Saskatchewan? It, it really seems like this really felt unusual. Like I, I just kind of had put Charleston, one of the all-time great sack masters in the league, out of my mind until he pops up today and the writers had a video. Oh, Charleston's back. Uh, I, I, where, where are you on this? I love this signing. I just love the league with Charleston Hughes in it. Absolutely. Uh, my question is, what does he have left in the tank? Because he's turning 39 <laughs> yep. in December. He's coming off a season in Toronto where he, his numbers were way down. Only played about well half of the games he normally would because A, the season was shorter, and B, only played 9 of 14 in Toronto, but yep. to put up only a, a handful of sacks after putting up so many 31 in two seasons in Saskatchewan, you've got the canceled season. I think he can still make an impact. I'm not sure about, you know, being a, an every down being a threat kind of situation, but I think he'll still be someone that will get noticed in the West. Don't you? Oh, I absolutely think so. Like that, that guy's, that guy's mastered the art of the strip sack and beating tackles to the corner. Right, he's he was still fed. He was fantastic in 2019. Uh, like you mentioned, 2021 was a, a bit of a different story. It's also a different scheme and a different coach. And then the defensive coordinator left, and Chris Jones came in, so you have that to deal with. But in Saskatchewan, you plop him back on that short side opposite AC Leonard again. If you if you put him in a rotation with Keon Adams, and heaven forbid Jonathan Woodard comes back from the NFL, the guy who led the CFL in sacks. Uh, that's it. Honestly, it's just a great signing for Saskatchewan for what I think is what's got to be, you know, not huge dollars, but a guy who could who could have a huge impact. And honestly, it, it shows me that his his waiting out last year to get guaranteed money from Toronto was absolutely the right move. He got like 50 grand guaranteed from Toronto to go there in free agency. There may not be a lot of money left, so take the take the guaranteed money and. If you have that season, you still have uh, the opportunity to get some more work the year after. So do you think this move changes how you view the riders this season? Not dramatically until I see probably four or five games of, of how it all works, right? Um, 
because going into the season with Keon Adams, uh, they let Tim Williams go. Uh, Pete Robertson was the other defensive end there who was really nice. They're, they're going to get to the quarterback in that Jason Shivers defense, regardless of who it is. I don't think it changes too much for me because uh, Saskatchewan still lost some super important veteran pieces from their back six and their defensive backfield. So uh, this is nice. I like it. I think it's great for folks who are fans of celebrations of big plays in the Canadian Football League, as I always am. Uh, it maybe makes them a tick better if things go well, but uh, I'm not more concerned about the Riders, I think, than I was yesterday. And where do they fit into the West? If we got Winnipeg one, I think we can agree that Winnipeg is one right now. Where's Saskatchewan? Yeah. Oh, now you're... I, I, let's just say, let's make Three? sure we point this out. This is this is before training camp. This is before yeah. we've seen anything at training camp. If Foley by Mitchell is good, Calgary is firmly number two in my mind. If uh, if Nathan Rourke is good, BC is firmly top three in my mind. So uh, if uh, that said, if Fajardo is good, Saskatchewan could be number two as well. Right now, I would have them third because I really think Calgary did some great strides in the offseason, and Saskatchewan BC, to me, are in that 3-4, uh, probably a substantial degree ahead of the Edmonton Elks. So wait, you're telling me that quarterback play matters? <laughs> More than anything else. Well, I think Bomber fans are, are saying that, oh yeah, we, we, we know. We remember 2019. When Zach does that spin around and rip around and oh, throw yeah. Darvin Adams in the end zone, we, we know. We know what quarterback play means here in Winnipeg. Yeah, I was down on the sideline. I had a great view of that play. I couldn't believe it either. And that's just the start of things to come. Zach Kolaris has hardly lost in the time that he's been here. I think he's got more great cup rings than defeats in his time as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. So you're, I imagine that you're pretty excited tonight. Is it kind of like the the last day before school starts for you with rookie camp starting tomorrow? Oh, my gosh. I spent probably two and a half hours yesterday kind of I mean, what's a pregame show going to look like? And then it'll be, hey, who, who are these guys? And make sure I'm up on all the stats of all the guys from the past season. And who's going to go where? And what does the depth chart look like? And then it'll all get blown up by some random injury or some guy who pops, you know, in the next three days at rookie camp. It'll all get blown up. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just so, like, May to December is, is just, just feast time for me. Just You're gorging yourself at the trough of, of football. I love it. Well, Derek, appreciate your time as always. We're going to be uh, hearing a lot from you over the next few months, so we'll get let you uh, go back to your preparations, and we'll check in with you later this week. Thanks, Christian. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage anyway. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.